Welcome to another edition of BeefleCast, a weekly podcast that takes an honest and sometimes irreverent look at the state of open hardware, embedded Linux, and all things BeagleBoard. Hi, and welcome to BeagleCast. I'm one of your hosts, Jason Kreidner, and will be joined shortly by Gerald Coley and Jeffrey Ozier mixon We'll be getting together weekly to discuss what's new in open hardware, embedded Linux, and all things BeagleBoard. We welcome your contributions by leaving us any questions or suggestions that you might have by calling 713-234-0535 and leaving a message, or by visiting http colon slash slash bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y slash B-C suggest. Hi, this is Jason Kreidner, and I'm here with Gerald Coley and Jeffrey Ozier-Mixon, and it's time for another weekly discussion of BeagleCast. Hi, guys. Hello, hello. Hey, there. Yeah, for, for those that may be wondering, no, we don't have this big, nice, comfy studio with recliners and microphones and headsets. We're doing this all over the, the wonderful Internet. How do we get invited up to the, the Twit Cottage? Are there I have no of idea. Cottage? No, what's a Twit Cottage? So the, the Twit Cottage is um, Leo Laporte's studio where he does a lot of these podcasts. A lot of the part of the reason why I wanted to, to do one of these things is, is what uh, Leo does. It's a pretty impressive little setup he's got. Now he does video and much better audio recordings, and you know he's a real a real pro at this. He's also a, a radio personality. He does a call-in show uh, helping people with tech stuff. The tech guy. Well, I think that's something that we can aspire to, but, you know, let's just take it one step at a time. We haven't got this part down yet. <laughs> that would be, that would be a good, something good to aspire to. We need to, the, any any income being made selling beagle boards and, and the like somehow to go towards our, our Twit Cottage. That would be nice. Well, that go against the principle of open hardware and open source? Well, if that's the case, then we better, make, we better just kind of tone it down and be happy with this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get started in the news. Gerald, I think you wanted to mention something about uh, Windows Compact 7. Uh, yeah, there's some uh, some interesting activity going out on out there on Windows Compact 7. I think a lot of you have probably seen some stuff about Microsoft getting into the business. Okay, uh, NBC Data is a company that I've known for. Well, we won't go into that. I've known them for quite a long time. Uh, visited their operation over in the UK, and it's a very fascinating office building, by the way. But they've announced that they've got a Compact 7 board support package uh, available, and we have done some work with them in the past and some demos we kind of run to from, from time to time at the shows, and I've been encouraging them to make something like this available. And, you know, the Windows business model has always been a little bit different, but uh, they've made that announcement, and uh, I haven't had the opportunity to actually run it myself, but if some of you have, uh, it would be nice if you get on the IRC channel or on the mailing list and let us know what you think. And you said that they're in an interesting building. They're not in that egg building, are they? It's an old building that was built. It's going down a farm road, and it's off to the left, and it's an old stone building, and they may have moved by then. I can't for the life of me remember the town where they're at, but it's one of the coolest towns I've ever seen in my life. It's just just got a nice old feel out there in the in the country there in the U.K. Well, I got to see, I got to meet uh, some of the guys there when they were doing the embedded the conference. Sorry, they were doing training at the embedded systems conference for for Windows CE seven on the Beagle board. Well, hello. 
my first what was that? I figured that was going to happen. Again, we're not in a fancy studio. This is my second line on my phone, so it must be the, the CEO of TI trying to get in touch with me, so he'll just have to wait. Tell him we said hi. Will do. So when yeah, Klaus um, came out and, and had some, some training at the, for, for folks at the Embedded Systems Conference on the BeagleBoard and got to play with uh, WinCE7 there, and uh, I think it's advanced quite a bit since then. I, I've seen this uh, remote FX demo. Have you all seen that running, at least the video of it? Uh, mm -mm, no. I haven't. It's pretty slick, so you get um, you know full-speed video and 3D graphics uh, remoted to your, your BeagleBoard from a you know Windows server. The demo is pretty cool because you can run the 3D games and play all your your YouTube videos or media player videos, and, and they all just stream right over the network interface to the BeagleBoard and play at full speed. It's uh, it's pretty slick. Uh, is that something that people can download? Sorry, that I'm not 100% sure of. But what I was referring to is basically the uh, press release they sent out a, little, you know, a few days ago. I guess it was last week. Yeah, I think there's a demo that you can download, but not the not the like the remote FX demo. I don't think you can get the full remote FX. I think you can uh, just get the basic uh, Win, com, Windows Compact Seven demo. Okay. Does it work with it? Does it work with it Connect? <laughs> <laughs> what doesn't work with the Connect? That's what I was just going to say. I don't know. I don't have one. Yeah, I have a Connect and no Xbox 360. So I play with it on a cool. on a on, on a Mac and on on a Beagle board. <laughs> awesome. So a little bit Have you got it to run under Linux yet? Yeah, yeah. Well, on on the Beagle board, yeah, run, uh, runs just fine. Oh, awesome. Just run run lib Freenet. So when the when we get down to the the news section, there was somebody that did a a robot uh, using a Beagle board and and uh, the Connect, and they had the robot identify faces um, using open wow. CV on the Beagle board and then use the, the distance information and the robot would follow um, somebody around and walk up to them but not like not run into them. So <laughs> well, auto follower robot so you could just dance around the robot and it would turn and follow you. It's a pretty cool um, video on YouTube. It is really a slick. By, by the way, I just double-checked here. If you go to the MPC Data website, uh, it's right there on the front page, uh, and then there's a link there for the uh, BeagleBoard. And uh, you can uh, register for free downloads. I guess they want your sales information and all that, and, and so they can call you at home. But uh, uh, it is available for download for free. Very cool. I guess a few more people ought to be able to, to reach that now. You've got a couple more distributors online, is that right? That's what I just fixed to say. Uh, just for so people know, we have a lot of requests for distributors, and when they request to be a distributor, we, we make fun of them, we laugh at them, we poke them, and to see how serious they are, because we have a lot of people that want to be distributors, and if they never sell a board, they're, they're happy. Those take all the boards for themselves. So we've had a couple of them online here for a few months, and what we do is we kind of watch them, see how they do. You know, we just don't want somebody that, you know, has a storefront. We want someone that actually participates, interacts with the community, uh, helps build communities in certain areas. We've actually now placed uh, two companies on the on the buy page. One of them is a company called Chipsy. They, they 
overseas or in, in China or Taiwan. They've actually worked with universities, setting up the, you know subcommunities there, and they're doing a real good job. So you can go to the buy page and see uh, Chipsy's on there. Another interesting uh, outfit is a company called CatCan, who is big into uh, robotics. And so they've actually made some add-on boards and stuff for Beagle. They've got some uh, YouTube videos of Beagle, you know, running spider robots, you know, uh, that'll kind of kind of walk around and do funny things. So uh, both those are now active and they're fully supported. And uh, we have, uh, you know, sales orders in from them, and we'll continue to ship them boards, uh, basically as many as they can sell. I got a box yesterday from Taiwan that I'm kind of excited about. Inside of it was a hex pod robot, so one with the, the six legs, and a quad pod robot, both from, from CatCam. So I'm pretty excited to be playing with that. Um, and it's got two motors on each of the legs, motor to, the, to do the extension and another motor to do the, the, the turning. Then I was kind of surprised it took me – there was another – there's a head on it. It's got a head, you know, sort of a, a neck motor to turn it back and forth. Not exactly sure what I'm going to do with that yet, but it's got some, some screw holes in the front. I think you can just use it to, to mount a sensor and um, turn the, the sensor back and forth. So, so have you actually had it walking around yet? Not yet. It's, it's, um, I'm going to try the some stuff I've got to do on the, the Tin Can Tools trainer board first, and we'll be playing with that one. I'm still trying to understand all the Arduino-ish stuff and flashing that. And um, so once I once I play with the trainer, then next on the list is to to, to play with the the hexbot. Okay, I was just kind of wondering what your cat was was thinking of it. So <laughs> so far, sitting still, it's not too intimidating. I think once it gets up and starts moving around, then uh, then they might freak out. But I, I've run the um, mind storms around the house a bit. I had a just did a little simple wall following thing, trying not to run into walls and. Yeah, the, the the cat just pretty much takes off. Gone. So if you had a dog like I do, they'd just be barking at it. Yeah, I was hoping for a little bit more interaction. Yeah, I can write a program to, you know, battle to the maimed. I don't know. I guess nobody call the ASPC on me, please. Excellent. I wouldn't actually hurt it. Okay, uh, and just as a side note, we have another... Um, prospective um, distributor that we brought on board in India. <clears throat> They're still going through their their trial stage, but hopefully in the next uh, month or so, if they continue going the way they're going, we'll be able to announce them as well and get them on the buy page. So that's all I have for the distributor update. All right. We'll move on. with. How many distributors is that now? Oh, I don't know. You can go to the buy page and find out. Yeah. I've lost count. Every time we have we have weekly meetings and we go over the production status of where we're at and how many orders have come in and every week we just get more and more orders from distributors and, and this and that so uh, you know there's quite a few on there I don't know that all of them are even listed uh, so we got uh, seven officially on the XM uh, and then we got another seven on the uh, the C4 there are a few distributors that have not haven't yet picked up the uh, XM. Uh, I don't think uh, SparkFun has, but they're they're fixing to come online. Uh, we've also got another distributor that's going to be coming online that's going to have some pretty far reach, and they're all hung up on doing press releases and stuff like that. But uh, 
uh, Avnet should be coming on board here pretty soon as well. So just more people screaming for boards. That's fantastic. Just makes my day. <laughs> okay, so on to the feed. On to the feed. First news item: FSMPEG fork becomes WebAV. Okay. You know, each of you guys knows the Mons roll guard, right? MRU, pretty. Oh yeah. At least, at least oh, yeah. Jeff was. He's very active in the community. Very active on the IRC channel. Yeah, so he's he's one of those uh, libav guys. So what, what I'm hearing is libav is the is the is the new FFmpeg. It's the way to go. So if you're wondering whatever happened to FFmpeg and where to get all that stuff, libav. Excellent. All right, moving right along. Closure. Have you ever heard of uh, Closure, Jeff? Are you familiar with that? Um, I have heard of it. I don't actually know what it is, though. Okay. I, I'm familiar with what's called a a, a Closure in, in JavaScript, and it's a pretty handy way of um, sort of leaving anonymous functions around to 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 satisfy you know some some need at a later point in time, and it's probably need to read a bit more about it to get a cleaner explanation of it, but it's a, a pretty handy feature of the the JavaScript language, but Clojure itself as a language looks rather Lisp-like to me. Nice to see some, some good language experimentation going on around the BeagleWord. Um, also in the news, the 2.6.38 kernel is now out, officially released from, from Linux. There's quite a bit of uh, new patches in there to help support the BeagleBoard. Don't think it's still, don't think it's 100% clean, all the drivers, um, that we'd want in that main line yet, but it's getting uh, closer and closer with each release. I know in uh, Open Embedded uh, um, for the Ancient Distribution, there's a recipe now for 2638. Graham is doing a, a lot of the, the work on that today. Uh, he seems to have been the, the one that initiated that, uh, that recipe and moving some of that forward. We had a, a very direct response uh, to BeagleCast from our CLFS friend, so Andrew Bradford, getting CLFS up and running on his Beagle board, heard our mention of him on, on the podcast and and tried to give us some clarification of what CLFS really is. And I think we're, we're, we're getting there when talking about it being uh, an educational project. So according to him, CLFS stands for Cross Links from Scratch. Pretty good stuff. The, uh, yeah, I, I looked through that site last time we brought it up, I think, here on BeagleCast, and it, uh, it looks like a really interesting collection of information. Yeah, There's a whole book. That you... I don't know, though. He's got some followers down there, and he's got Jason's picture, so I don't know if that's a, a good advertisement or not. <laughs> Maybe people won't scroll down. He's right next to something that looks like a little ant with antennas, but that's okay. Very good. Well, he still seemed to think we were a little bit confused, and I think he brings out the point uh, in his latest blog post, you know, where he's trying to, to, to clarify it to us, that it's less about automation and much more about describing the, the individual manual steps, step-by-step, step, you know, from the upstream source, so it's very clear what you're doing every step along the way. So if, instead of trying to hide a lot of the complexity of the, the cross-compiled builds, making it very, uh, very clear to the user what uh, what they're doing. I think this will go a long way to educating people on embedded Linux on the BeagleBoard. 
That's always a good thing. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think that's one of the one of the best things about the Beagle Board. It's such a good uh, educational platform. So we also made some some progress last week, and now it's not just uh, bootloading and, and running the kernel. We've actually got a real file system up and running now. So I think it's something that uh, is, is ready for some other people to play with. Excellent. It seems like the Open Embedded folks made an appearance at uh, CBIT. Uh, H Online covered them um, appearing there, and they were showing off stuff on the, the Beagle board, Panda board, and the um, ARM friendly or friendly ARM board. Either of you follow any news on CBIT? Not me. <laughs> no, I just, I just read the article that came across on uh, on the BeagleBoard RSS feed, which is actually probably the feed that I pay the most attention to. Yeah, I do, watch, I do follow that. CBIT is a, an absolutely huge trade show. Uh, I guess it's kind of what, uh, what what CES used to be. Um, I think it's uh, still closer to that, where it's still still big industry news, but uh, apparently not enough to to touch our lives too directly. Another guy who's uh, really uh, pretty active on the mailing list, Max, has been somewhat along the same lines of this uh, uh, CLFS. He's been documenting some of the steps it takes to build uh, Qt and OpenCV, so the Qt framework, Qt, um, if you like to pronounce it that way, um, and the OpenCV project. Uh, Both of those are, are pretty popular uh, software projects for the Beagle Board, and a lot of people are you know, relying on distribution builds of those, either under uh, Angstrom or um, under Ubuntu. So he's he's taken to documenting a lot of the the, the manual steps to to build those uh, those those application frameworks. Um, recently, he's even got a, a a demo on there how to to do some some image capturing from a camera uh, using OpenCV and Qt. So I think I think that the little demo is worth taking a look at if you're if you're interested in those projects. Is he the same person who did the face chasing thing we just talked about? No, I don't believe he is. I think it was Whatnik that did the the face chasing demo. Oh. I was just on the IRC channel with Whatnik today. I'm sorry if I go by everybody's IRC neck. Um, I think we're both trying to to chase down some of the the fun things with the the trainer and how to get the. Uh, the bootloader programmed in there and, and dealing with the Arduino tools. But, uh, yeah, what Nick is, is on the RC channel pretty frequently and been pretty happy to talk about his, his Connect hacks. Very cool. So also around the trainers, uh, we had somebody create a blog post about uh, doing SPI communications with the trainer, and they've got that up and running uh, and talk about how to go and um, repeat the work there. I've heard, you know, somebody talked about they may not be making – a lot more of the trainer boards. Have they changed their mind? Are going to make some of those available to everybody once they give it a try? They are making more, and they're, they're taking feedback right now about what additional features uh, they might want to might, might want to be put on the, the next revision of boards. Excellent. So, all you trainer fans and people that are interested in that board, be sure and check it out at Tin Can Tools and uh, you know feedback and, and let them know. I mean they. And they, they need to be able to sell a few and, and feel the love. So uh, if you guys or gals are interested, you know, again, get with them and, and let them know. Yeah, I'm messing with it because I want to create some tutorials about how to do SPI and I2C and GPIO, and I wanted a, a target that I could actually talk to. So you know, I keep hearing about how easy to use this Arduino stuff is, and 
So I just figure, well, okay, it's got the the, the Atmel microcontroller on there. Let me con let program that Atmel microcontroller up to be a target for SPI and I2C and and uh, and GPOs and use it as a verification loop, right? Just to create a completely closed system that could could test itself. I think that's really important for creating a, a tutorial, or something where you know, hey, I, I just know this works, right? And um, the the, the Arduino tools for me are a little bit harder to get started up than, than I than I thought. But um, I think maybe it's the difference of you know, somewhat how things are, are sort of packaged and presented. So I don't want to jump to too many conclusions quite yet, but it, uh, it's still something I'm trying to get going. Sounds like fun. I wish I had time to do some of that kind of stuff myself. I seem to have plenty of stuff to keep my 36-hour days quite full. Oh, come on, part of your job somewhere in there, I'm sure. Oh, I know, I know. It, yeah, it, it, it's kind of funny. You always seem to make time for what you think is important. It's just that when you have too many things that are important, is when you get in trouble. That's okay. I have three computers at home, so I, I keep three things running at the time most of the time anymore. You know, if you want, if you need if you need more computers to keep busy, I'm I'm very much in love with this Amazon EC2 thing. <laughs> The, the, you know, Jeff, you were mentioning problems with your your, your build server. You know, my solution is just okay. I need a new machine. Clone, start, launch. Uh, <laughs> well, the clone problem might the clone part might be a problem just because it might clone the same issues over. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you have to manage this, uh, this, working. This disk was was working yesterday. I don't get it. If you didn't do anything and nothing changed, then you understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it's going on. Maybe I should have changed something. Well, I'm hoping somebody will create something that I can clone in the first place. If you can, I'm just if I can encourage you to make a that that Yocto build machine that just works, then put it up on a Amazon AMI Amazon machine image, and I can just clone it. I will be very happy. The Yocto. A, a Yocto build? Sure, Yocto, open embedded. Um, so when I build, when I do Angstrom builds right now, I do it with a, an Amazon EC2 machine, and it's it's still quite slow. If I want to do a complete mm -hmm. build, it takes me over 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, I'd be I'd be interested to uh, have you walk me through the process of doing that. Yeah, I've got a bit of a script for it, and it needs some debug. Um, I'd be be very happy to do that. Cool. Oh, hey, I think I just figured out which one. You're not supposed to be working. You're supposed to be called in this. I am. I'm just, I had, uh, I, I had my uh, ETC FS tab file just sitting up looking at it, trying to figure out what was wrong with it before this call, and I just looked over and figured out what was going on. So, uh, so this call's been really useful to me. So, so Jason, this call's been really helpful. So Jason's talk was an inspiration to you. Very good. You're right. It was. All right. Let's see if any of these other news items are an inspiration for you. Uh, speaking of hack how-tos, uh, there's a, um, a blog post out of Japan on how to run CyanogenMod on the BeagleBoard, so that uh, customized Android port. Yeah, somebody's got that working with Robo? Oh, absolutely. Robo um, supports the BeagleBoard out of the box. Right, but I didn't realize that CyanogenMod did. I think it's uh, 
cyanogen mod is still a hack to get to run on the Beagle board. Uh, you actually, the cyanogen mod does a, um, it's possible to get an emulator build of it. And mm -hmm. from looking at the blog post, it looks like that's what they did. They, they did a, 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 an emulator build of cyanogen mod and then worked with the robot code to put that on the Beagle board. Oh, fantastic. I missed the must have missed that one when it came across the news. Well, it was in Japanese. How, how good is your Japanese? Um, it's about as good as my Martian. <laughs> <laughs> but I have plans to learn it. Well, yeah. Those are, that's I have those I have those master plans laid out as well and uh, they're not uh, they're not panning out so far. I spend a little bit less time on the Spiegel board stuff and a little bit more time on Japanese maybe. I'm like told just 20, 20 minutes a day running um, Rosetta Stone, and we'll be there. Yeah, but 20 minutes a day, how long? <laughs> you can do anything in 20 minutes a day if you live in Philly, right? Right. Other news item, IGP version 2 goes open hardware. I'm pretty excited about that. Other people entering the open hardware fray. The more the merrier. That is indeed good. Yeah. So hey, that reminds me. I heard that the uh, they they have finally set a date for the next open hardware summit. It's going to be the uh, I believe it's going to be the day the Thursday before um, Maker Faire New York, which is on my open source events calendar. And now, I, of course, I don't have that. Well, grab a link. We'll that put it is in, in September. Yes, it's in September. It's like September 17th and 18th is Maker Faire, so that means that either the 15th or the 16th will be the open next Open Hardware Summit in New York. Fantastic. Very much look forward to that. Also, so, so they're collecting votes on a logo. That's what I've heard, too. Yeah, I haven't taken a look at any of them. The one that, that is memorable for me is that they had one that looks like the OSI, um, but like a key, but instead of just a circle-looking object, it's a gear. Let you know it's hardware. That sounds good. I don't know how people come up with those ideas for logos. It's not the way in which I'm creative. Took me 30 years to come up with my signature. So don't ask me to do a logo. Well, similar to guess my profession by my signature, they would certainly presume that I was a, a doctor. <laughs> uh, so I think if I were to try to create a logo, it wouldn't look that much different. I use red ink for my X. How about you? I just draw a circle with a bar across it. <laughs> no. <laughs> What's next on the news list? Well, we had somebody uh, collecting some, some power numbers on the Beagle board and publishing those. Ah, uh, yes. Did you take a look at those? Yep, I took a look at those, and uh, <clears throat> I might, can't recall exactly which meter I used. This is under the Ubuntu stuff. I'm not sure. Do they have uh, frequency scaling and voltage scaling and all that kind of stuff in there? You can run different kernels under Ubuntu. Yeah. Uh, I believe that they are in the, the, the main distribution, yes. Did the, did the numbers seem a bit high? Uh, they're, pro they're probably okay, but I've seen them, you know, I just love frequency scaling, voltage scaling. I love to watch the frequency go up and down and watch the current go up and down, you know. So, uh, what would be interesting, I was noticing that basically this was done on the on the Rev C4 board. It would be interesting if, uh, if they'd be willing to do an XM. Of course, I guess they'll probably want one for free. But uh, the XM actually should be a little bit better and a little bit worse at the same time. We have the hub on there, which does add a little bit of – add some current to it. But 
you can actually make some uh, some separate power measurements on that area. There's actually a header on there that can be used for for uh, making power measurements. But welcome anybody to you know do the power measurements and get the software tuned and uh, you know get it down a little bit. Well, yeah, in this in this particular set of data collection, you know, it doesn't specify what governor was used. Right with the with the CPU freak uh, utils. You can set the governor to be very aggressive at, at keeping the clock and uh, voltage low, or you can you know, have it be very um, you know, conservative and that it could, could run it at a high voltage and high frequency uh, very often to make sure there's plenty of available cycles. Yeah, the big thing about power, it's not necessarily, oh, look, this thing takes, oh, it took, you know, 550 milliamps, okay. That doesn't necessarily mean it always takes it. I mean, the, the best way to do it, which is difficult at best to do, is kind of do a histogram on it where over a period of time you'll have peaks and valleys and what's the average current during the, the average application, and then you start getting into, well, what is the average application? Well, you know, browsing, okay, maybe you do browsing or you know, playing a video back or playing music back, and they all can be different. And you know, when you go out and grab the SD card and you're pulling data in, the current will go up, and when you're not, not doing that, it will go down. So you can do things like increasing buffer sizes and things like that. So it's something that, you know, throughout my time here at TI, I've been asked many, many times about that. And whenever they ask the question, what's the current, I just say, well, what are you doing? And no, or don't know. I said it just varies. So basically, what it is is on-demand performance, and that not only relates to frequency scaling and voltage scaling, but it also relates to what else you have on the board and whether it's turned on or or turned off. You know, for example, on the XM, if you're not using the hub, you can turn it off, turn it off completely. But if you got it on, sitting there, not doing anything, then it's going to consume some extra current. So it's a real fascinating topic, and it's and it's a lot deeper. Than, uh, than most people realize because there's a lot of things you can do, and it really depends on what the hardware you know allows you to do. So, but uh, good to see people are out there you know starting to talk about that and look at the current draw and let people come with ideas to optimize everything and get it a little bit better. You know, it would be nice is to take another beagle board and um, you know, use an A to D connected up to the beagle board to capture the data and use a, a beagle board to collect that that histogram. Might be a little bit cheaper than buying a, a scope. So I think uh, yeah, that scope data is kind of kind of hard. To do. There's some really nice devices I've been playing with over the years, uh, and uh, you know I've uh, I've got some things that I'm looking into. You know, Jason kind of fiddles around with his Arduino board, and uh, I, I look into some other areas. So there could be some things coming out by the end of the year that uh, people might find interesting in the area of power. It just all depends on how everything shakes out on my end and whether or not my request to take my, my 36 hour days to 48 has been approved or not. I'm still waiting to get approval from my wife on that one. <laughs> yeah, we, we good, we've all got more ideas than we have time to implement them. You know, get somebody in the MSP430 world to, to create a, a, a little voltage data collector or something. Yeah, well, there's some, there's some really nice devices. The INA219, for example, it's a little device that Fits right across a low-value series resistor, and uh, it's got an Asperger C interface on it, and collects all kinds of data about power. You can set the gain in it, you can tune it. It's a it's a really nice device, and I've been playing with that for a while. So I'm looking to get that implemented into uh, one form or another to to help with this uh, this scenario. 
What I like to do is also have the ability to capture an I/O pin or something to so that you know when you're accessing you know uh, the SD card that routine activates. You can actually put a put a trace in there to where when you're in that piece of code it goes up, and then when you get out of that code it goes down. And you can actually look to see that your code what kind of current is being consumed when that code is running. Of course, in a in a part like the uh, the M35 or 37 processor, I mean, there's so many other things going on, you know, but the code's not running when the LCD is being updated. It's just continuously being updated. So, you know, but it, it is a good method for going through and kind of benchmarking the current consumption of your code. But it's a little bit more difficult scenario when you're looking at the entire system and everything that's going on there. I was just looking around to see if there was anybody doing some Google searches on Arduino voltage measurement data log. and. Into something on the Lady Ada's page, but uh, doesn't look like it's super simple. Yeah, back in the day, I don't know how many people out there remember this one, but there was a little board many moons ago called the uh, OSK, which was the OMAP starter kit, and it was one of the first forays into the catalog OMAP class processors. And uh, on that board, there were a whole bunch of uh, tap points where you could actually uh, tap across it and get a current measurement. And somewhere out there, don't ask me where it's at, but somewhere out there there's an application note uh, that takes you through on how to actually do uh, active current measurements using a digital storage scope. So, uh, you know, I'm sure somebody can dig that up. I haven't seen it in, in, a, in a number of years, but the same philosophy works. And in fact, Inside TI on pretty much uh, all the OMAP class EVMs, uh, there are some power measurement points that you can actually get to and uh, you know look at different uh, different voltage rails and and help tune your application and stuff. So it's uh, it's kind of one of my pet projects, but unfortunately I just haven't had the time to to take it as far as it needs to go. Okay, uh, wrapping up the news, we had uh, the always innovating uh, guys, uh, Greg Washington. Um, announcing something about a, a new multi-operating system or multi-Linux system system uh, running on the Beagle board. Yeah, system on systems. He called it the uh, Super Jumbo. The Super Jumbo. Super Jumbo for the Beagle board family, also compatible with TouchBook and SmartBook. Sounds like a commercial to me. But he went out on the email list as an Angstrom uh, – Distribution in it, Android Gingerbread, Ubuntu Maverick 10.10, .10, and Chromium OS. Now, he didn't say whether they were all running simultaneously. That would be interesting to see, but uh, supposedly you get one one distribution or one uh, file that you put on an SD card and work it through all the different things. So this is out of some of his work for, from the, uh, the uh, textbook, smart book that uh, Always Innovating has out there. So it's, it's good to see uh, those guys and Greg work actually putting some stuff back out there for the for the rest of us to use. They've done some uh, some excellent work. He's actually doing a talk on that at the Embedded Linux conference on the Wednesday. It's April 13th. It looks like hot OS, hot multi-OS switch, how to run all those at the same time. So I'm hoping he's going to do a, a demo as well. Oh, that'd be good. Hopefully he'll use the Beagle board, but he'll probably use the textbook instead. It says here at the talk, we'll demo embedded device such as the BeagleBoard XM that can run Ubuntu, Chromium, OS, Android simultaneously without reboot. Okay. So he is talking about simultaneously. 
Really? Oh, goodness. Sounds like, like he's trying to abuse that hardware quite a bit. Yeah, it sounds kind of fascinating. I will definitely have to be there. It's a good lead into our upcoming events section. So Yeah, you guys are going to be at the, uh, you guys are going to Indiana Linux Fest this weekend, right? Yeah, I'm going to head out there tonight, and I'll be ready to go on um, on tomorrow morning. I've got a presentation introducing the BeagleBoard, doing a little, just a, mostly a general overview. I'll talk a little bit about uh, the, the stuff I'm playing with around the um, the IDE on the BeagleBoard and um, you know, using it as a, a web server and, and exploring SysFS and um, you know, hacking the Linux kernel from a, a really high level. And then... Um, then we'll have a hands-on workshop. Short workshop. Uh, Mark Yoder uh, from Rose Holman is going to be there, and he'll be he'll be guiding that. Um, that'll be a three to five tomorrow at the, at the Hackerspace Village. Excellent. Yeah, I've worked. I've known Mark for uh, quite a long time. He's a he's a big Beagle fan and uh, pretty pretty sharp guy. Well, he's got a pretty nice setup now for this DSP run. Um, project where uh, if, you, if you read his his class notes, you know he, he gives a pretty good set of instructions now for just getting C6 run up and you know going with the, the Angstrom distribution pretty easily. Um, I think there's still three or four different downloads you have to take off the TI website to get all the tools in place under machine. But once you've uh, once you've done it, there's not a lot of uh, build steps or rebuild steps in order to get things running. You just um, Install and go, and this make, finally makes a DSP programming, um, you know, for a for a starter for somebody who just wants to mess with the the algorithm side of things. Pretty straightforward. So he'll be showing that off at the Indiana Linux Fest. Also coming up, there's um, an open source uh, Birds of a Feather Linux users group in Mumbai, India. Omit Carpe is uh, hosting something there. Um, I think he's got uh, some some BeagleBoard um, stuff, some Hawkboard stuff. There's some other um, open source platforms that he'll be talking about out there in Mumbai. So that's the 26th. And, of course, we have the Linux Collaboration Summit and Embedded Linux Conference coming up. Not too long after that, um, Embedded Systems Conference in Silicon Valley. And then Maker Fair. So you make a lot of trips to the Bay Area in the next couple of months. Yeah, I think I'm going to set up to live there. Are you really? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but uh, it, it really, really is starting to feel like I, I am living in the Bay Area now. <laughs> well, Jeff, you might want to uh, consider going into the uh, hotel business. <laughs> I bet you can make enough money off of uh, Jason to... Uh, to uh, build you a backup uh, bill system. <laughs> that might be useful. <laughs> Can't I be virtualized somehow, just like the like just just like your your, your build machine? You just need to move it into the cloud. Well, maybe you could do that with your little robot. Maybe you could just send the robot to all the conferences. I need to, that's what I need time for is to turn a hex pod. How do I put my face on it and send it to San Francisco? <laughs> <laughs> anything else in the upcoming events? Oh, I'm sure there's plenty more out there. So if we're missing anything, please uh, 
let us know and we'll, we'll get it on the list and, you know, we prefer not to hear about your garage sales or anything like that, but uh, everything else is fair game. Oh, I had a quick question, actually. Are you guys going to be doing anything for uh, ESC Chicago? As I know, last year there was a – you guys did a whole build-your-own-embedded system using the Beagle board, and it was very well received. So not that I'm aware of. We haven't really okay. pursued that. We're at the Embedded Linux conference, we're pursuing a hands-on workshop there. Oh, excellent. I will be at uh, the Embedded Systems Conference in Chicago this time, but uh, just not going to – not looking to, to do the build-your-own. I think everybody that goes to that conference has pretty much been beagled by now. <laughs> well, let's um, give everybody an update on the XM RevC hardware and software. We're um, – we're continuing to build boards, and uh, I've been working on. We've made some some changes on there. Um, uh, one of the changes is the the code seems to be running a little bit better, and uh, you know SD access is a lot faster. So we had to tune our our test software a little bit. We had some uh, I had some loops in there waiting for things to happen, and so I worked this week to add some smarts into them. So. Uh, we're, we're building boards right and left. Uh, we're still we've got enough software to um, to do the testing of the hardware, so that's uh, getting started today. So by the end of next week, we should have available a bunch of boards to ship. Uh, we still have yet to uh, figure out exactly what's going to be on the on the image that goes on there. We're, we're attempting to pull together, um, unlike on the Rev B, uh, a minimal desktop that comes up, and so. When we started putting together the, the 2.6.37 stuff, there's a bunch of key pieces that were missing and weren't quite ready, so we fell back to, you know, basically a 2.6.32 kernel with a new uh, uh, new U-boot and some other fixes and stuff, and that's what we've been testing with. So hopefully in the next week or so we'll have that uh, distribution ready to go and uh, on the SD cards and uh, shipping out. But the key point here, real quick, the key point here is we're building boards. So, you know, whenever we do go, it'll be kind of like the floodgates open up and a, and a whole bunch of boards will go out there at one time. Okay. Well, I think that, you know, getting the new kernel you know, going from the 2632 to 2637 can be a pretty simple O-package update or O-package install to get the new kernel now. So I don't think that'll be too bad a deal as long as what's what's shipping on the boards is a kernel that works and shows off all the all the hardware features and and that there's still lots of progress going to get uh the the features into the into the main line on the, the newer kernels, right? Um, so I don't think don't think that should be too much of a hassle shipping the old kernel. Uh I also um this uh because the kernel is now being loaded out of the file system itself instead of the fat partition, the old package installs uh, will automatically link in the new kernel so that when you reboot it, uh, it's going to be booting that, that new kernel. But one question I had is whether or not the 2632 kernel is going to run with that BeagleBoard Toys uh, Wi-Fi adapter. So I think that that was one of the gating items. To yeah, and that's that's the concern as well. So, you know, basically, when we talked a week or so ago, we decided let's just get the testing going because I didn't want these. I wanted to be able to just test the hardware. So, like I said, we got that going. But yeah, there's a you know a new Beagleboard Toys that come out with a, a TI-based Wi-Fi board, and uh, hopefully that'll start shipping in the next few weeks. And we wanted to make sure that that 
uh, Wi-Fi adapter would work with uh, with the uh, with the Beagle board. So if it comes up that I think that if we need to do a you know OK package install to get the new kernel and that all works and clean, then uh, we should be able to handle that. And you know we'll need to make sure that we got all the drivers there for that. So that that was one of the requirements that we had. So. You know, we've got two or three things going on here at one time. You know, a little tweak in the hardware, uh, nothing major. Uh, new U-boots, you know, trying to get the new kernel. So hopefully the next week or two we'll be able to pull all that together and we'll, we'll resume shipping again. Okay. Well, hopefully, yeah, don't. So it doesn't, doesn't sound like there's a need to hold it up on getting every feature, like the camera, into the 2637. I think the camera was the last sort of blocking item on 2637. Yeah, and so... And so basically, we're using the 2.632 to test the camera, and that's all working. So you know, we'll we can basically use this software to to test everything out, and we get ready to ship. We can just drop in the cards for an updated, or if there's a process and a procedure for letting them update to the next kernel, and that works okay. We can provide instructions on how to do that. Because because the reality is, you know, once it ships in a week or so, it'll be old anyway. So. You know, we just need the stability on the hardware side so that we don't introduce weird variables that shut down production because something didn't work like it did last week. So, but uh, we should be getting there. Okay, great. I guess that does it for the the hardware hardware update. Get on yep. to some of the the topics on the the mailing list just to pull out. Uh, um, one, I think the, the the sad news for the week is that uh, BeagleBoard.org is not a, going to be a mentoring organization for Google Summer of Code 2011. Uh, Jeff, I think you had a chance to catch up with uh, with Carol and and find out maybe that why that was. Yeah, they um, Google they did accept over 170 uh, organizations this year, but they had 430 applications, so they uh, they were only able to choose a little bit over a third. And they were concentrating on getting some new, some new organizations in they hadn't had before. So there were a lot of a lot of very popular organizations that did not make it in, and uh, LegalBoard.org was included in that. So do we need to uh, you know, update our logo and change our name for next year? <laughs> I don't know about updating the logo or changing the name, but uh, but uh, she, I, when I talked to Carol, I said, "Is there anything different we can do?" Next year, and she said, "No, you guys did fantastic, particularly with the ideas page, the application page. So um, keep up the good work. We just didn't make the cut." So yeah, I've been asked multiple times uh, if you know BeagleBoard.org would, would still move ahead somehow with uh, doing a summer of code for for students this year, just a, a BeagleBoard.org summer of code, and I'd certainly like to to see that that happen. Um, yeah. Getting the, the the same degree of, of funding, the, the Google um, Summer of Code is a really well organized uh, um, um, event and, and put on really well by by Carol and the other folks at uh, at, at Google, and that's something that would in, in no way be uh, easy to, to to replicate, uh, even with the the student funds. Um, so I, I wouldn't I would not going to promise anyone you know reproducing something on on. Uh, on that scale or professionalism, um, but at the same time, I think there are a lot of students hoping to to do some some BeagleBoard projects this year, and I think we can do something for them and um, and try to connect them up to the to the mentors that are still 
um, pretty invigorated to, to try to uh, help students uh, execute on projects and, and move the state of the uh, of Beagle Board forward. I think that we still have a lot of um, ease of use challenges for, for new users and, uh, and and there's still just a tremendous amount of uh, development going on around embedded Linux uh, that you know can, can be moved uh, ahead by uh, by BeagleBoard. So I think we'll do do some sort of BeagleBoard Summer of Code this year. Uh, just need a matter of working out what it's going to be. Cool. We'll be very interested to hear. I know all the mentors were really excited about it. So looking forward, uh, we've got. Um, we discussed the idea of maybe having some update on uh, uh, the rowboat project and bringing in somebody to talk about that. So I uh, confirmed with uh, Qasem Syed Mohammed, uh, who was instrumental in, in launching the BeagleBoard project, uh, did all the early um, U-boot and, and kernel work uh, for, for BeagleBoard, and um, now he, he owns uh, execution of the, the rowboat project. And bring him in next week and and have a chat um, about Android. Good, sounds good. That would be great. I think the other big request we've we've had is to to do some more to talk about I/O topics, SPI, I squared C, GPIO, um, you know, some of the basics. I'm not really sure who would be the best to pull in for for that type of discussion, but I think we should plan for in two weeks uh, somehow having a. a, a a good discussion, um, you know, wrapping around the concepts of of I/O, embedded I/O. Yeah, so I think it's you know, it, while it's important to get the the low level hardware set up and everything and get that going, you know, how you interact with it at the application level, I think, is important. So, if there's anybody out there that wants to uh, to profess to be an expert or have a good strong idea in this area, then you know, let us know and uh, you know. We'll see if we can work out some, some arrangements and get you on here to uh, have a lively discussion about it. I wonder if I can drop Bill Gatliff's name to put him on the spot. That's fine with me. <laughs> I guess after we post this, if within five minutes you get an email saying he's not available, then we'll know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, Bill's one of the good ones. Anything else we should be uh, mentioning about looking forward to? No, I think that pretty much covers what we had on our post-it notes. Appreciate your time, gentlemen. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah, you bet. See you. So that does it for BeagleCast. Um, we'll be looking for your questions and suggestions. Hopefully to be included in the next week's BeagleCast. And have a great week.